Uh, <laughs> All right, so now it's on speaker. So three, two, one. Welcome to Good to Geek Out, the place where it's good to geek out. You want to go somewhere and geek out, this is a place to come. Um, we will be covering multiple forms of geekdom, multiple shades of geekdom, if you will. Um, quick introduction here. I am editor coming out of San Antonio, Texas, here with two lifelong friends here to talk about geeky things. That's all. We're good to go. Welcome to the Geek Outings. No, oh my God, no, we got to edit that now. Good. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Good To Go. This is Boba Fresh, Rob Strotter from San Francisco. Looking forward to talking all things geeky with my friends and with you. Please feel free to subscribe, leave comments, and a little heads up. We will be talking spoiler-heavy things throughout this episode and throughout the series. Great to meet you. Good to be in the good to go geek thing, we will be <laughs> three, two, <laughs> three, two, one. Uh, welcome to Good to Geek Out, Good to Go, a cornucopia of geekiness. We will be discussing various topics with my two lifelong friends. Hopefully, we have some nice guests. Uh, join us here and there. Um, and we'd like to see what you guys uh, would want us to talk about. Let, let's let our audience guide the show. Uh, today we're going to be discussing the uh, Disney Gallery Mandalorian behind the scenes episode one. Uh, I completely enjoyed it. Um, it's good to get it. as much as I love the show. And as if you guys are watching the show, I'm sure you loved it as well. Um, it was fun to get a uh, behind-the-scenes look at it. What did you? What was your favorite part of the Geek Out uh, gallery, Ed? Um, I just I liked just the general um, setup of a table of what six five people just geeking out over stuff. It's kind of a format I'm, I'm familiar with, um, and they're just you know talking amongst themselves. I, I think I did like. Uh, I guess the if I had to pick one of the directors, Dave Filoni, the cowboy geek, um, he seems very central in all of these movies. I mean, all the episodes, and he's like kind of the go-to guy for anything that's Lucas related or Lucas question. He'll have a good hands-on, and so uh, I think a lot of you realize a lot of the Mandalorian has uh, every episode has run through his hands as opposed to the rest of the other directors. I thought it was kind of cool. And you could tell when you hear him talk how how emphatic he is about uh, Star Wars. What was your uh, favorite part, Strader, or something that stood out to you? Oh shit! Let me go back to gallery, bro. Sorry. Hi. How are you? <laughs> 
Uh, Ed, now you, Ed, you make some great points, and Lucy is completely correct. The way that the Mandalorian has unfolded, especially with Dave Filoni at the helm, has been a beautiful. Damn, cornucopia is just stuck in my head. Hold on. <laughs> But the way that Dave Filoni has handled the universe, and obviously Favaro needs to really be given a lot of credit. Sometimes it isn't um, just the directors and the editors, it's the executive producers who step in and they gather all of the talent. And I think that uh, Favaro really needs to be given a lot of the credit for assembling such an amazing team of directors with such diverse visions and able to still tie them all in together. As you watch the series season one unfold, you do get that different taste and different vignettes of the same character. And it almost gives this feeling of you're reading a bunch of short stories written by different authors on the same character to get to the same point. And I just thought it was uh, beautiful. And not to mention the, uh, the sheer diversity at the table, everyone really gets their say in the sense of representation and inclusion. Lucy, what was, who was your uh, director of choice that stood out that hit you? Uh, just to echo what you both have said, uh, the diversity was there. Uh, in getting a little bit of the background knowledge, uh, Favreau, uh, it was interesting to see, like, this is his first executive producer project, and he uh, uh, expressed how that was a new form for him and how he enjoyed it. And then Filoni, first time directing live people coming off of uh, a really successful animation career, um, and listening to his uh, story about how he got the job on Clone Wars and how it's rolled into this and being the person that is uh, really keeping canon, canon. It's, it's, it's nice to see that after watching, unfortunately, what I, what I consider kind of the debacle of what J.J. Abrams did with a lot of the uh, uh, Star Wars movies, uh, particularly uh, with uh, The Rise of Skywalker. But digressing, I can't pick one director because they all have their own points uh, of uh, how, how Star Wars affected them from their early childhood, how they're so excited to be part of this project, how each one is not so much a TV show as a mini movie, and how they appreciated Disney treating it that way. And when you go back and you watch the show, you can see each one is a mini movie and not just a TV show. And that's why I think I loved it so much. Uh, with our discussions of the Mandalorian and anybody out there can go rewatch our reviews of the Mandalorian can, can see that as well. Um, so I, I, <laughs> I, I would just say uh, like when I, when I realized who made which episodes in the Mandalorian, I think Deborah Chow was probably my favorite. She made episode three and episode seven. And that's the, when the Mandalorians come out and defend Mando. And then also when, uh, IG-88, or IG-88, is that his name in this? IG-11, when he blows up and sacrifices himself. Two action-packed driven episodes, with, but still with some heart, which I liked. And it was dope because Favreau notes that 
Deborah Chow is the action hearted one. He says, you know, it's in your bones. It's just in your vision and the way that it goes. And it's great again in this idea of inclusion and, and just just going a different route, just bringing in a female director and and being like, cool, like we're not going to put anyone into categories. This is the one who's doing the most action. And then uh, Rick uh, Famiyu, Rick Famiyua. Yeah, it almost sounds like an Asian last name, which is really weird. Right? Yeah, that kept throwing me off too. And then he had like that uh, Japanese color block puffer jacket. I was just like. But he also had on LA every day and every damn scene. He did. It was a hat or something. Which I also thought was interesting. <laughs> Sorry, this doesn't make the cut. But which I also thought was interesting because I was like, that's some baller shit because Disney just was like, cool, we'll pay it. We'll, we'll pay the licensing fee to have MLB products like on our <laughs> shit. We don't blur it out here. Like we're, we're fucking ways. Disney. Multiple ways. Um, uh, but yeah, Rick Famiyua is amazing. You see the awe that he has for working with these practical sets and being actually on site and being like, cool, like I want to work with the job. Was like, you know, like I, I'm trying to get more of this uh, back and forth in. And so you really see the difference of not just the director's styles, but where they were within the story of Mando himself and how important that particular director's story was for that particular setup. For instance, Dave Filoni is the one who did the big Downey Hunter episode. And that's the one that had the footsteps at the end that had everybody like whose footsteps are those. And I don't think that any of the other episodes really like have that, Oh my God, there's a bigger universe out there that we know about and we, and it's mysterious and we're going to get to it. Not to say that the world isn't, beautifully explored but the way that that story was told set us up for season two which we probably know who one of the two people that it is now uh but i, I thought all in all it was uh beautiful uh lucy what do you think about bryce dallas howard you know amazing uh i i really enjoyed how she, what she brought to the directing her experience um and not just her, you know, the, the diverse background of each director. Now, there's nepotism. She's the son of, or daughter, excuse me, daughter of um, Ron Howard. So she, you know, she had an end to the, um, to the Hollywood, you know, machine where the, uh, the guy from New Zealand, like, made his own way into it. Dave Filoni was put into it. Another, all these people with completely different backgrounds did wonderful in each in in, in their own ways. Um, uh, it was nice to see that you know the the experience that she brought to it. You know, she had more of an acting background to it. <laughs> <laughs> she did, but then I, I think they also noted that she kind of got the most fucked up episode to have to direct because it was right after the big action episode of the Mandalorians coming out. And then her scene is like, or her episode is completely different from everyone else's. So the way she injected heart and injected a lot of like things that the show hadn't experienced yet, which made it kind of a one-off, but also tied it together. Cause I think I remember when we were talking about it in a previous lifetime, um, I mentioned that it felt very like disconnected and like it was a filler episode, but then you guys uh, explained to me pretty well how it wasn't. It was actually uh, in character and, get, and it expanded the universe. So, yeah, to do that. 
pretty dope. And I definitely think that it was highlighted about just the feminine femininity and feminism that was part of episode four that she had directed. And, you know, they show, you know, even the way that they edit this particular episode, like they show the kids hugging her and like, you know, like all these things, like you feel the love that is on set, like how much, almost how you feel certain energy within ciphers and, and all this other stuff. Um, I thought that was really, really cool and going on. Uh, yeah, Lucy, you're right. Like, I mean, I think part of it is nepotism and then part of it is Steph Curry. Like part of it is just like growing up around, you know, like all of these artists. Like she's just like, I'm, I'm just, I'm a kid bored at a dinner with George Lucas, Akira Kurosawa and Ron Howard. Just <laughs> Eating sushi. And I, took, and a, I like, took a nap in my dad's lap. <laughs> exactly. And I took a nap in my dad's lap. <laughs> and that's and that's like an anecdotal that she's willing to tell us. And so again, like you know, just in the sense of like I always been, I always always, I was always like, Luke Walton might not be the greatest basketball player, but still every Thanksgiving he's shooting basketball with some of the greatest basketball right. players in the world. And so I think that she's kind of in that same vein where she's just been on this other level seeing how her dad executes things on set and um and strikes it, it you know just works and when you're shown that kind of work ethic that young you just can't help but to incorporate it especially if it's something that's your passion and, and it definitely is um and then to get to the taiki taika watiti correct to get to the taika watiti part yeah like lucy you're completely right he has to spearhead and be his own vanguard and uh he comes onto the scene with this amazing comic background but uh where the Wild wilderbeast star um is a very heartfelt weird kind of movie but it, it was dope and he brings all of that comedy and that heart and everyone as we're saying just has this little piece of the trivial pursuit pie that makes the complete um the complete thing work because you're getting humor here you're getting action here you're getting heart here you're getting uh, a gritty just broken down world here just the world building all in all is beautiful and this was an amazing uh project for them to do and i'm really glad that disney decided to do this gallery and give us a look behind the scenes and how much these people loved it it, it, it makes me question what the next Gallery is going to look like since they're already giving away all of season two before it's even started. I just wanted to note that too. Multiple Boba Fett armor wearers. Are now. you talking about the next gallery or the next season? Well, I'm saying the, the next, the next gallery after the next season of The Mandalorian because they're already giving everything away right now. So maybe they they won't need gallery after Mandalorian season two. Yeah, I mean, if we're going down that rabbit hole, I think we're all disappointed. Uh, about how many spoilers they've been dropping about season two with the way that they were able to keep season one under wraps and the surprises. And I'm, I'm completely, I'm sure it's going to be a great show, but there's going to be less Oh shit moments. The Oh shit moments is like, Oh, that's how they fit this character into here. Cause we already know that character is going to be coming down the road. Yeah, but we're not here to shit on people or do anything like that. Yeah. So, uh, on that note, let's 
We'll close it out. Yeah, yeah. But if anybody, but if anybody at Disney ends up watching this, just don't drop as many spoilers, please. <laughs> Good to know. Let me go back to the speaker. <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, we are good to go, right? All right. Uh, geek out. Geek on. Editor of San Antonio. Shit, I just stole your line. Sorry, Strutter. <laughs> fucker. You fucker. This is Boba Fresh from San Francisco. Good to go. Go out there and geek out. Have a great day. Geek on and geek out. Rob Lucy coming at you from Southern Oregon. Good to geek out with my friends once again. If you guys enjoyed this, give us a like. If you have an idea of something that you'd like us to cover, uh, just go ahead and ask. If you want to be on a guest on this show, send a drop us a line and get in on one of these Zoom meetings. Let's get some audience participation going. Let's have some fun. Love to uh, geek out with my friends. Love to hear diverse opinions just like the diversity of the directors of The Mandalorian.